My name is Stephen Moore and I'm the presenter of the Your Law Firm Success podcast. This podcast explores the routes to law firm success. We chat to those who have done it, those who are doing it, and those who help law firms do it. This podcast is brought to you by MLT Digital, the leaders in law firm success. In the previous three episodes of Your Law Firm Success, in different ways we have covered the importance of sales and business development. So today's guest, Bernard Savage, is an expert in this area. He works with law firms and professional services companies, helping them to develop, improve and enhance their sales and uh, business development processes. I hope you enjoy this discussion. Hope you find it useful. Bernard's a thoroughly engaging, fun and insightful guest. Thanks very much, Bernard. Thanks for coming on this podcast with me. At the start, or... To introduce yourself, would you mind giving me a bit more information? Obviously, we know each other, more information on you, what you do, how long you've been doing it for, and the types of results that you achieve. Okay. Um, I'll try and keep the football analogies to minimum, but if I can start with one, uh, my career is a game with two halves. So first half of my career, the first, what, 12, 13 years, I worked in a very traditional blue chip environment at Procter & Gamble, the people that make the world's finest washing powders, and Shell, And then, in all honesty, I made what, in some respects, was a bad career move and moved to um, uh, Evershed's, uh, the law firm. And that was my ignorance at the time, my lack of understanding of how the legal sector worked. But they say every cloud has a silver lining. And if it hadn't been for my two years of misery at Evershed's, we wouldn't be having this conversation, Stephen, because I learned an awful lot at Evershed's. And this was at the time, the early 2000s, and at that time, legal marketing, legal BD was pretty unsophisticated. And that was quite a surprise to me, having come from an environment where sales, marketing is very much at the, at the sort of forefront of what people do. So when I left Ebersheds, I made myself a promise. This was 2004. Um, the, I'm never going to work for anybody else ever again. And I want to work with like-minded people who buy into the idea that just being a good technical practitioner, whether that's in law or accounting, uh, do a lot of work in intellectual property, that that isn't necessarily enough to be commercially successful. And and that was the birth of Size Ten and a Half Boots, which is the business that, that I own, um, set up in two thousand five. And despite two or three bumps in the road, which you'd expect over nineteen years or so. Um, we're here and we, we've now worked with more than 250 professional service firms right across the UK and overseas and the legal sector is the biggest part of that. What do we do? It's about helping organisations um, get from A to B with practical BD solutions. Okay. So you focus primarily on helping law firms uh, build their BD practice um, build a sustainable, predictable pipeline of new business, working with both individual partners and firms in general? That's right, yeah. So the, the work, um, I mean, it varies tremendously from client to client, but in some cases it's working with individual lawyers at all levels from trainees right through to managing partners and senior partners um, and, and also doing some group work. So it could be building the business, which is more about actually finding sort of strategic solutions, targeting um, efforts, or it could be work with individuals to help them grow um, in developing their non-technical skills. 
Um, so whilst BD is the is very much the the focus of the business, we do collaborate with um, other associates in other non technical areas. So finance, uh, HR being the two obvious ones. Okay, and uh, you mentioned so you started at Procter and Gamble. You know um, those types of organisations are renowned for their sales and marketing training, and then moving into Eversheds, where those within our audience, which is typically the small to medium-sized law firm, would assume would also have a well-honed business development and sales and marketing machine. It wasn't what you encountered at that time. This is a tricky one to answer because it touches on so many areas. But what I would say is that I've, I've worked with law firms at one end of the spectrum, you know, international, multinational firms, but at the other end of the spectrum, solo practitioners. And you know what? The differences are not apart from the obvious that some are bigger than others, the issues are not very different really, whether there's a big in-house team or not. There's still the fundamental issue that, if I'm being brutally frank, there's a lot of naivety about business development and there are still some quite outdated ideas around how you retain and grow um, fees. So yes, on the one hand, the Eversheds and firms of that ilk have an advantage because they have brands they have um a lot of in-house resource some of the issues are not that are not really that different they still have to um attract business in a, you know a tough a tough environment where people are quite skeptical about law firm a suggesting they're better than law firm b and why is it that you think um law firms to a certain extent and let me think about this find business development difficult i mean it seems I, i've recorded um three episodes of this podcast so far far which haven't been released so you won't have heard them but in each one each of the guests who has in their own way been very successful have talked about the importance of sales and business development um but within law firms and for lawyers in particular there's obviously the issue of billable hours um so, so just to ask you the you know the, get to the question really why is it that you find law firms struggle with it and why is it you think individual lawyers struggle with it i think there are a whole host of reasons Stephen, uh, but a few of them are firstly i think there is this mistaken belief that if you do a good job that alone is enough to attract work i, I don't accept that i think that's one issue second issue is that um, if I go back to the, the, fortune, the fortune I had early um, starting my career at, at Procter & Gamble where training is, you get training from day one and um, there's a high value placed on non-technical um, skills development. In the context of law firms, the overwhelming majority of the training is about technical skills. It isn't non-technical. And then even within the non-technical, that's divided between BD, leadership development, um, health of the safety training, financial um, skills, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So people actually don't get that much input. I think a third issue is that uh, a lot of lawyers have put off BD because they've been led to believe that to be successful at BD, you have to fit a certain stereotype, which is probably um, a, a very extrovert individual who dances on tables at three o'clock in the morning and that the only way to go about BD is to go to stuffy events and make small talk with complete strangers. And 
Is it any surprise, given those circumstances, that, that there are some difficulties for lawyers in law firms in BD? And actually, it could be so different. Yeah, I, think, I mean, I think that's part of what people discuss. And certainly, you know, we met at an event last week, which was a very sort of large scale event, typical, I think what many people would assume would be a typical sort of networking event. Now, I didn't feel particularly comfortable networking in inverted commas. It doesn't really suit my style. So what would you advise to people like me who are working within a law firm who just don't feel comfortable at that? Very simple answer. Do something that you enjoy. Um, this might surprise you, Stephen. I know you and I don't know it, each other particularly well, but you will make some assumptions perhaps in terms of somebody like myself with my profile having a more positive, more comfortable attitude to that traditional networking. And the truth of the matter is, um, whilst I am doing business development for my own business, never mind my clients, every day of the week, probably including the weekends as well, I do very little in the way of attending the kind of formal events where we met, which isn't to say they don't have a place. But for me, the real value of that event was actually us going outside the conference and having a more intimate conversation to try and get to know one another. And for me, that's what BD should be. It should be authentic. It should be based upon actually getting to understand people and understand their markets, which they operate and what their motivations are. And I think if you can understand people and find a connection with them, then business is going to be much easier. So for me, the answer to the question is, um, do something that you enjoy. It isn't all about networking. Um, you know, create content, whether that's doing what we're doing now uh, in terms of podcasts, it could be giving talks, it could be writing blogs. But networking itself um, that's successful is often smaller uh, events, that are a bit more intimate. And it isn't all about meeting strangers. You know, spend more time with people that you know already and broaden the scope of the conversation so that you're not just talking about an open file or um, a particularly illegal matter, but you're actually having a broader conversation, really getting inside their business and inside, in, inside your clients' lives. And, and that way you'll find BD is a lot, lot easier. Oh, certainly I find having conversations like the one we had and, you know, people might assume that we are talking today because we'd met at that event, but actually we'd arranged this prior to that and arranged to have the discussion at the event knowing we were both going to be there. But it was quite an intense environment that I found a little bit uncomfortable and there was just too many people there. So, you know, and, and the purpose of this podcast for me is one to pursue the passion around helping small law firms succeed which then puts me in that picture which is my own way of doing business development of course and is the one that I feel comfortable at so how do you manage to extract within a firm with a number of different partners or to produce a plan for them that takes into account that everybody likes to do things differently Wow. So there's a lot of questions in there. So let's, let me try and break it into bite-sized chunks. I think the first thing is that the starting point for BD is not about looking, you know, researching different events to go to and coming up with answers. The starting point is to have absolute clarity on who is your client, who, who is your target market, who's it, what does the perfect client look like for you, um, what specialisms do you want to home in on? And I think the more the tighter you are with one with your definition in terms of what success looks like, 
the, the easier it's going to be in terms of making choices. I think too often people's approach to BD is far too vague and woolly, far too vague and woolly. So I think that's the first point actually comes down to some, um, not to say navel gazing, but certainly business planning and getting some real clarity. I think the second thing is to look at, um, rather than talk about sales or business development or marketing, focus on visibility. How are you going to get more visible to the people and the markets, the, the clients that you're trying to um, ultimately attract? And you know, the way to think about visibility is, is, is to do something not dissimilar. Some of the listeners may have seen, be familiar with crime dramas on television or Netflix or whatever, where once a crime is being committed, there's a scene where a detective addresses an audience, they have a whiteboard behind them, they have a picture of the victim, and then it's, they adopt a very forensic approach to achieve two objectives. Number one, um, find the perpetrator of the crime as, as quick as possible, um, and two, ensure there's no miscarriage of justice. So it's about a real, it's actually quite an analytical process if you do the detective work properly. And I think BD should be approached in the same way. And if you do approach it in that way, you'll make better choices in terms of how you build visibility. And what will be apparent is that visibility is not, doesn't all hinge on big events. There's another problem with big events is that, and that typically they only happen once a year. And of course, if you're serious about relationships, you need to have a number of touch points. And I don't want to embarrass you, Stephen, but, but quite genuinely, the way if one was to kind of analyze our relationship which you, which i think you, you've been the driving force in this but the way that you've managed it, it, it it's in my opinion a, a, a very good example of how bd has done properly because you've you know you've given first and that's uh, and you've been very generous with that um and it's been a very i think it's i think it's been a very um you, know, you found a way of finding a connection with me which makes it more likely that I'm going to lean towards you versus other suppliers of which you know that I know other suppliers too. So I think you've gone about it really well. And I think too often solicitors go into uh, BD thinking, what can they get out of people, which is a very unhealthy and pretty ineffective way actually to be successful in BD. So I think focus on visibility. It isn't all about networking. Find out where do the people that you're trying to influence go? Who do they hang about with? What do they read? What trade bodies are they members of? What uh, associations or alliances or networks are they members of? And again, just like you would do if you were a, a forensic investigator, do your due diligence. That's a combination of desk research and primary consultation with people. And then just hang about in the right places. I call it engineering serendipity. And if you're being cynical, you could say it's professional stalking. But you know, quite simply... If you hang about in the right places and you get on with people and you listen attentively and you follow up, things will happen. Mm. Things will happen. And they'll only happen as fast as, you know, you can't, you, you can't kind of force chemistry. If, if you and I, and any, you know, anyone knows me well will corroborate what I'm going to say. I don't suffer fools. Um, and I won't spend time with people who I don't feel some sort of connection with. And, uh, you know, in our case, from my perspective, I've really enjoyed the contacts we've had and feel very positive about the opportunity to have more contacts. And if you spend more time with people, the conversations develop and, and you find things out and one thing leads to another that leads to another that, that perhaps leads to another. So it's about visibility. 
and it's about using, you know, thinking more creatively about how you can be visible. It isn't all about networking events. So starting a podcast is a big leap of faith, a leap into the unknown. And one of the things that helps majorly is if we receive positive reviews. So if you could spare just a couple of minutes to leave us a positive review, that would be greatly appreciated and will help us to bring more, hopefully, informative content to your ears. I think that's a really good point and um, it's one sort of worth exploring to a certain extent because, you know, I, I am sure you have come across the situation in many occasions where you've spoken to lawyers and they say, I don't like selling. I don't, um, I, I'm not into sales. And people will make will make the leap from one end of the sales spectrum, which is the sort of cold calling, door knocking, you know, commission-based sales to the consultative sales process that is about building up a relationship and understanding that the person you are talking to has a need and that you're able to meet that need. So you're actually, you know, working towards coming up with a solution for them and it's not a hard sell. It's simply, look, this is what we do. It seems as if you have a requirement for that. We're very happy to chat to you about that. But at the same token, I'm happy just to spend some time together and find out more about you as a person and be genuine in, in that approach. And I think um, you, you can take a sledgehammer to crack a nut in terms of organizing or being focused on having large events or else you can be consistent and incremental in terms of your approach and understanding that in order for, for you to generate business, you need to be having a certain amount of conversations every month. It, it, it's also, um, again, this is something I could talk about for hours, but relax because I'm not. But um, I think it's also, um, you know, one needs to get one's head around the fact that so much of this is about timing. Um, the people that anybody's trying to influence, whether you're on the transactional side uh, you're on the you're, you're a litigator. Um, people are not waiting for solicitors to contact you, and you're going to need to interact with people five, six, seven, eight, nine times, or even more. Now, an interaction doesn't mean you have to have nine lunches or meet people in person necessarily eight, nine, ten times. You know, one interaction might be a phone call. Another one might be you said there's something useful in the post. Another interaction might be an invitation to some sort of social event. Another interaction might be an exchange on LinkedIn and, and so on and, and, and so forth. But there needs to be more contact. And it, it, I think people make BD harder than it needs to be because they work with a client, um, help a client get the outcome that they want. The file is then archived away and they move on to the next thing. And I think if people spend a bit more time to actually engage with their professional contacts, whether they're clients or intermediaries, outside of open files, they'd be front of mind more often and stay on people's radar so that when the right kind of opportunities come up in the future, they'll think of you. And I've used the word opportunity with intent rather than, I haven't said instructional referral, because I think it's far too simplistic to look at relationships based on instructions and referrals. So I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, Probably the best contact I've had in terms of return on investment um, in 19 years as a business owner will be based upon one introduction I had for one client to give a talk to the Chartered Institute of Patent Attorneys 
many, many years ago. And as I said, that wasn't an instruction referral. That was, I can get you a speaking engagement. And at that point in time, that was a non, that, that I wasn't paid for that speaking engagement. In case anybody's listening now, I do charge for my speaking <laughs> engagements. Just thought I'd get that in there. But at the time, 18, 19 years ago, um, I, I would, you know, anybody give me a microphone, I would gladly take it. And that particular talk has led to a pipeline of 17 years worth of work since uh, within the intellectual property market. So that's one example. Another one is, even in the short time that you and I have known each other, Stephen, we've both made introductions for each other, not referrals, because they're not the same thing. Mm. Referrals are difficult for lots of reasons. They don't come about that often. But with a little bit of creative thinking, it isn't too difficult to initiate conversations or help your contacts introduce them to people. And then it's down to them what happens afterwards. And I think, you know, this can also help manage stress. Um, as a lawyer, you cannot make people instruct you. You can't. You can't do it. Um, what is within your control with a little bit of, with, with a commitment, um, is to get in front of people to be visible and to manage the number of interactions you have with the people that you're trying to influence that is manageable i call it coffee meetings that doesn't mean you have to have a cup of coffee with people but i will help alleviate some of my stress as a business owner because i've got six mouths to feed i had too many children steve and that was a mistake i made um let's hope they're not listening um, i've been busy enough but, yeah, I, I, it's not difficult to get in front of people. And just fun part on the coffee thing, because sometimes I get challenged from people and they say, well, it's all very well you, you talking about approaching people for a coffee, but you know my contacts, they're very important, they're very senior, and they're very busy. So are mine, and they do give me their time. Why? Because they perceive that they're going to get something meaningful from the discussion, that I'm going to add value. That's their perception. Whether I do or not, you'd have to ask them. But... I don't have much difficulty when I approach people and get in coffee meetings. Yeah. Not with a bit of persistence anyway. I think also if you've got the right message and you're looking at providing, I mean, I imagine you know, your message is more around helping them grow, which is about what this podcast is. You know, how can I help your lawyers be more successful? So, f for example, say I was a young lawyer. I'm not young anymore, but say I was a young lawyer. I've had a few years of practice. I moved from... I've moved firm on the basis of my years of experience, but I've been quite clearly tasked by the firm in terms of they want me to achieve growth and fear and revenue, new business coming into the firm. And I'm sitting there on the first day and I'm thinking, right, what do I do now? What tips would you give me? Okay. But again, my starting point would be to spend a little bit of time being really clear about exactly who who you want to engage with. So I'll give you an example. Um, many, many law firms talk about they want to focus on high net worth individuals. That's not that helpful because high net worth individuals could be professional sports people. They could be little old ladies who keep their cash under the mattress. They could be um, C-suite execs. They could be doctors. I've just, you know, I've just plucked a few groups. Now, how you would actually get visible to them will be very, very different depending upon which of those particular um, profiles you're targeting. So I think people need to be a bit more focused when they're thinking about their targets. That's the starting point. Second bit is do some desk research, find out you know where do these people congregate and 
you'll find you'll be hard pushed to find any community of people that doesn't have a trade body or um, isn't affiliated to some sort of organization and that is a, a case of you know what can you do um, to get visible and, and really simple one let's just take let's take your podcast as an example Stephen and I hope you don't mind me doing this but anyone who's got a podcast doesn't matter whether you're a you know um FTSE 100 company or whether you're a a, a, a micro business um if you've got a podcast you've got three problems problem number one is coming up with new ideas and all of us struggle for that because all of us sometimes can't see the wood before the trees so that's the first problem second problem is you know you've committed to this podcast and you, you you're thinking about ideas but then you've got the problem who's going to be on them now if in your organization you were if if let's look at your situation if it was only people in your business that are on your podcast with the greatest of respect to you and your colleagues that's actually not going to that's going to be harder to get uh, people to, to listen to because actually it has more credibility if you can bring somebody in from outside an expert in whatever area third problem is that ultimately the reason that you or anyone would do a podcast is that there is a marketing purpose and this is where it gets interesting for the lawyers that are listening because if you were to in the course of your coffee meetings um you know ask questions or seek to understand about the podcast that some of your clients and intermediaries have they will bite your hand off if you put yourself forward to be on their podcast because it addresses the three issues. First one, you'll have some ideas, you'll have some topics, hopefully that are of interest. Two, it provides fresh content which makes it more engaging for listeners. And thirdly, it, it, it actually amplifies from a marketing perspective, it makes it a stronger product for the host. So, you know, there's one example of, of, of how very easily you can build visibility and don't worry about the selling bit because if you're visible to the right people and you're out there and it's done in a targeted way you can and you will succeed if i just add one thing to to, to that i'll give a i want to be very specific here because because i want to be um Oh, a while there's, I sort of did work with intellectual property. Uh, the Chartered Institute of Patent Attorneys have got a very good podcast called Two IPs and a Pod. I think it's excellent. And, you know, from my selfish perspective, it's helpful for me. It, I, I was thinking it'd be really good if I could find a way to be on their podcast because that gives me exposure to, to a lot of people within the intellectual property community. So I approached the people that do the podcast and said, I think your podcast is really good. Have you thought about doing a topic on business development? Um, so this is what they said, Stephen, very rude. They said, um, do you know anyone that knows anything about BD? <laughs> so when I sort of calmed down a little bit um, and I put myself forward and throw my hat in the ring, they invited me onto their podcast. And, um, you know, it's a lot less work being on a podcast than producing a slide deck to give a talk i've spent this morning producing a slide deck for a talk i'm going to give um to somebody next week or the week after and yeah that was it took me about i don't know two hours work to pull that all together two two and a half hours work it's a lot of work um again without and i hope this doesn't disappoint you or the listeners but it hasn't taken me two hours to prepare for this and it's actually very very enjoyable the other thing about podcasts and advantage they have is that once it's recorded, 
you can use that over and over and over again. And with going back to the Charles your pattern attorneys, I have shared that podcast with many, many people as a follow-up tactic after meeting them through perhaps more traditional networking means because effectively it comes across as endorsement. I mean, it's, it's not, but that's how it's perceived. So there's plenty of places to get started. So a key message there is that actually you don't start with selling. You know, you start with thinking about your audience. You think about where you, you know, where Stephen Gold talked about, where you play. Um, then you start thinking about the, the ways in which you can grow your visibility to that audience without being a, an overt sales process. You know, if we were looking at it from a more sort of digital marketing point of view, you know, obviously what we want to do and what we do do for our law firms is make their phones ring, but we are moving people um, down the funnel. And what you're talking about is essentially starting at the top of the funnel, building up awareness, building up visibility. And then as your relationship progresses, you are able to visualize those contacts and those contacts and relationships developing from a very sort of open relationship into one in which hopefully you become a supplier. Absolutely. There's two things I want to add, if I can, in sort of closing on that. First one is implicit in what you said, but I think it needs to be explicit, is the importance of follow-up. You know, if you said to me now, Stephen, right, you've got 15 seconds, just, you know, give us some some gold dust, just follow up. You know, the, the quality or the, 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 the lack of follow-up is a major reason why people don't have more success in BD. Simple as that. Follow up, follow up, follow up. BD is a process. You need to follow up. The, 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 the final thing I, 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 that, that I want to say on this is that um, just be authentic. Um, BD will be much, much easier if one is true to oneself and just focuses on uh, sharing who, who one is um, and being comfortable with that um, and accepting that, you know, your story might not be for everybody. It's not a problem. There's nobody listening to this podcast. There's no law firm out there that needs everyone to be their client. We need to hit our numbers. But I think if people are more confident in themselves, uh, had the in, in expressing who they really were so that it didn't come across as anodyne, vanilla, beige, a commodity, they'd find there's somebody out there. There's enough people out there that will want you because of you. But unfortunately, what happens too often is people don't have the confidence to be them true selves. So be authentic. Okay, so that's brilliant. So now, um, Bernard, we've got 15 seconds. Can you give me 15 seconds of gold dust? <laughs> 15 seconds more of gold dust? <laughs> no, I'm only really kidding. Be I'm visible. Kidding. <laughs> um, be visible, follow up, and be authentic. Okay, brilliant. One, I've got one more question before summing up, and that is, we generate um, business online for our law firm customers. We make their phones ring. And then the next stage is for the firm to follow up. And there's inquiries that can sometimes pose difficulties for some of our firms. I think you've already covered it, but are you able to emphasize what would be the key things to do in terms of following up with inbound inquiries as opposed to going up and finding them? Be confident in your follow up. So a good follow up is not an email to somebody that says, it was really nice to meet you. I hope our paths cross again. That's a bit pathetic. A good follow-up is really enjoyed our discussion about the best pub in Edinburgh. Um, as it happens, I'm I'm back at, up in Edinburgh on the 
9th of November, um, are you around to, to meet up for a pint? If not, there's some dates of work for you into December because I'm planning another trip. Mm. Be specific. Say what you want. So come back, be confident, be authentic, and ensure that there's a next, a next stage. Yeah, I mean, this is a key one, course to action. You should never have any communication with anyone, whether it's online or in person, without having a clear next step. That it, It's about nudging a conversation forward. If you smoke, if you focus on the small steps, things will progress. So it's about being clear what that next step is. Always, every communication should finish with a suggested next step and getting clarity, trying to get agreement on that. Even if it's a very small next step, like a follow-up meeting or scheduling a phone call or sharing something, um, there should always be a next step. Okay, Bernard. Um, thank you very much for your time. That was very helpful, insightful. If people wish to find out more about you, where can they find you? Okay. Um, so my call to action is they can find me um, on the website, which is www dot ten and a half dot co dot uk that's t-e-n-a-n-d-a-h-a-l-f dot co dot uk they can email me bernard at ten and a half dot co uk or invite to connect with me on linkedin uh, under my name that's bernard savage and uh, always keen to start conversations with with people with no obligation at all equally good to reconnect with some people that might be listening to this perhaps we haven't had any contact for some time let's reconnect Okay, Bernard, thank you very much. Thanks for your time. And I look forward to catching up with you again on Thursday. That's it. Me too. Thank you. So thanks very much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you're enjoying our content. We'd be delighted to hear any feedback that you have. You can find out more about the Your Law Firm Success podcast at mltdigital.co.uk forward slash podcast. Please subscribe, please share with your friends, please share with anyone who you know that you think would be interested.